Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. Hey, you know what, folks? Um, you're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, coast to coast and border to border throughout the fruited plains. And uh, hey, listen, it is one of those days, uh, friends, where it's just going to be you and me today. I don't have any guests uh, scheduled today because I wasn't scheduled. I was not going to go live today. I was going to be on my way. I was going to head out uh, tomorrow, maybe uh, the next day to back to my native Louisiana for uh, a couple of um, months to make sure all of my business is squared away and my wife is adequately memorialized, right? So I was going, I was on my, I was getting ready, uh, getting everything together, getting everything together. And then, and then, and then, now, a lot of you may not have heard it. Uh, you, you're going to be hearing about it. This is going to be a forest fire. It's going to be an absolute forest fire that Joe Biden has started himself. Now, if you can believe the polls, and you can't, but if you can believe the polls, if you can, if you can have a, a, a smidgen of confidence in, in any of the polls, uh, and the Democrats really want to have a, a confidence in these polls because uh, the polls are showing that Biden is ahead eight points in some national polls uh, among um, uh, likely voters and certainly an incredible lead among women. But I do remind you that uh, the same thing uh, was being said of Hillary Clinton, and she was far more, far more popular <laughs> among people uh than joe so if you want to believe the polls have at it but i had to come on today because joe sitting in his basement delaware on the radio and this is the greatest medium in the world and thank you for coming along with us as we uh come to you across red state red state talk radio the largest talk platform in the nation and the most listened to platform uh in the nation just really proud proud to be of the family part of the family traveling through Times square look up above ripley's believe it or not and believe it or not the cl bryant show is uh popping up there on the big board every hour uh 24 hours a day in old cl's face is looking right back at you in Times Square. I had my good buddy Ron New Juan Newsom on with me yesterday, and uh, he works there uh, in Wall Street. And uh, oh, Juan gave me a shout out. In fact, he's going this weekend to take a pic of himself in front of uh, uh, my billboard or the billboard once my picture comes up on it. The reason I'm saying that is this. Biden was on a radio program out of New York City with a black radio host, right? 
got my bid in. Uh, I don't not for Biden, but the president. Hopefully, the president will be on the show here in the next couple of weeks. I'm telling you now, um, uh, I've got my bid in for the president. And uh, as soon as I get settled down, I could have had him on, but I have not been settled in enough to uh, actually uh, get him in here without knowing if I'm actually going to to uh, be able to do the deal. Okay. But we're going to get that deal done, and uh, we're going to hear his side of all of this when we have him on. But Joe Biden had his shot. Black radio, urban audience had his shot to speak with all of them and uh, make his case as to why the black community need to stay in the Democrat camp. But Joe. Joe's greatest strength right now is staying away from the microphone. If he opens his mouth, he is a walking, talking gaff, a machine. <laughs> yes, he is. Okay. He's on with um, black audience, black radio host saying, and, and hey, the guy was being really gracious to him the guy was being really gracious to him and uh he said to uh, the vice president hey uh, vp uh, biden when you come to new york city you got to stop in and see us that was an open invitation you know and and the implication was that you know so we can make up our minds as a community as to who we're going to vote for right that's what the guy that's what the guy was trying to say that's what the guy was saying what did joe do Joe said, hey, if you if, if you got to choose between voting for me or Trump, well, you ain't black. Oh, Joe. Why? Why, Joe? Why? Why? Listen, um, you know, I like beating him about the head and face. You know, I do. <laughs> but 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 he's but it's no fun to do it when you're person that you're really wanting to slap around is such an easy target. It's no fun. It's just not any fun when it's like that. Joe, I have slapped you around over the last six months for sure. No doubt. Unabashedly slapped you around. You are like that guy in the ring with Ali who is stupid enough to stick his tongue out, drop his guard and push his face out front so that Ali with hands as quick as a cat (laughs) will be tempted to take a swing. He's got to connect. The jab was quicker than you could blink. Biden is playing that same game with a counter puncher like Donald John Trump. Oh, he may be the Rocky Graziano and uh, of, of politics. He may always say the wrong thing, talking about the president. But he keeps coming. He's a counterpuncher. You can hit him. His intentions are to win. That's the way Marciano. That's the way Graziano. That's the way Ali. Any. Joe Frazier, Trump could be smoking Joe Frazier. He 
he takes a shot really well and keeps coming. And if he connects with that counterpunch, he'll take you out. Joe, you're playing with fire. And you're playing with someone who likes to fight. It's a whole different story. When you get involved with someone who uh, doesn't really have a stomach for the fight. You know, uh, Joe was was thinking that, and, and really the Democrats, somehow I believe that they thought that Trump had a thin skin. And, you know, even and he does in, in many ways, and in some ways, his thin his skin is thin in the sense that he needs to uh, justify himself. That's fine. The only thing that he has to learn in his second term, and he'll get one, is that as the leader of the free world, you make confident choices. You stick by them. You let the let the your your people around you, your press secretary and your your lieutenants around you explain to the American public why you did what you did. But you should never, ever go out on the campaign trail. And I wish that, you know, I was closer in to the campaign. And I guess I, I can become closer if I want to. I would I would recommend to the president never Never explain why. Let your people do it. Let your lieutenants do it. When there's a screw up on the show, Michelle explains it. (laughs) Jared, Jared explains it. I may have actually, this is full disclosure and you know it's true. I may have actually pushed the wrong button myself, especially these days when I'm pushing all the buttons. But when it happens under normal circumstances and the president's life has been relatively normal since all this has happened, he still has his people around him. He still has all his people is to speak for him. Use them, Mr. President. Use them to stress and press your case. Don't do it yourself. Don't prosecute this yourself. Let your people do it. That's what you hire them for, to take the the flack when things are misspoken or missaid. But hey, so far it's worked for you. But I think in this climate, if things had remained the way they had been before COVID, Trump, I think, the president, I really believe, could continue being his unabashed, brash self. You know, without any uh, one, you know, paying that much attention to anything other than Trump being Trump, which we do have to let him be him. And I certainly hope that they let Biden be Biden because Joe does a fantastic job of derailing himself when you just let Joe be Joe. He'll lose it all himself. Remember what I told you just uh, a few months ago before all of this broke loose, even when we thought that Joe was going to lose the nomination to Bernie Sanders. This COVID thing, you do remember that Bernie 
was giving Joe. You see, there's so much that's been lost here during this coronavirus thing. During this coronavirus outbreak and, and our, uh, you know, uh, being uh, quarantined and all that kind of thing. And this is what it, uh, Joe Biden has been shielded. And, 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 and quite frankly, I got to tell you, it did him some good. Now it's time to come out the basement, Joe. And it's time to let them see who you really are. And I got to tell you, if Joe makes it to the final two, and, and so far he's the titular head. Well, he's not the titular head. Still, Barack Obama is still the titular head of the, the um, party, of the Democrat Party. But Joe, if you become the titular head of the party, if you become the, you, you are the uh, one who they're wanting to put the mantle on. But think about that. Okay, Obama has finished his eight years. Obama finished eight years. And he wore, he wore, he wore the crown, uh, the ex-crown of being president of the United States very well. And it's very easy <clears throat> to point to him as the head of the party. Fast forward. God forbid Joe Biden becomes president of the United States. Fast forward four years. He gets voted out or he something, he just doesn't finish his term. But he gets voted out. Let's just say he gets voted out. He finishes the first term. He gets voted out. Joe is now 82 years old. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, no. Joe is now 80, 80 years old. What, what, how old is Joe? Joe's 76. Well, he finishes four years, 80 years old. Now, I expect, personally, to be fully competent, sharp mind, you know, when I'm 80 years old, even when I'm 120, with that Moses blessing that I have coming, that, I, that, that the Lord is granting me. Um, I expect to be clear, clear-headed. Now, quite frankly, uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, Joe Biden seemed to have had a steel trap mind. Age does that to you if you don't, uh, you know, stay active and stay around young people. That's what you got to do. You got to continue hanging around young people. Joe, I don't know what, what his personal life and interests are. I know that um, the lady who's accusing him of molesting her was pretty young. Um, but, you know, I guess that keeps you young, too. But Joe must have stopped doing that years ago now. <laughs> but but anyway, that's that's you that's usually how you remain young, Joe. But what you said to the black radio host is going to be where we pick this up when I return. Hey, if you don't vote for Biden, if you guys if you if you if you still gotta make up your mind, hey, he's talking to the black radio host. Hey, if you got to make up your mind who to vote for between me and Trump, and you ain't black enough, man. Joe, are you free? Now, understand where he got that from. Joe does indeed hang out with black elitists like Sharpton. That sounds like Sharpton there. 
you know, li- like uh, Donna Brazil. Donna may not say stuff like that, though. Donna wouldn't say stuff like that. I don't even think Jesse Jackson would say stuff like that. Al Sharpton would say that, though. Um, also, you have um, Warren, what's his name, that would say something like that. Can't remember his name. But there are people that I know Biden has access to that would say that to another black person in a heartbeat. They, that is exactly what I had to deal with and have had to deal with going on the last 11 years is black folks saying things like that to me. Now we're hearing it from someone who feels he has the uh, pass to say something like that to black folks because he has black friends. That's Biden. Biden's one of those liberals who says, oh, I got plenty of black friends. That's Biden. And because of that, he feels as though it's okay for him to say if we vote, you have to choose between him and Trump. He feels comfortable enough. He feels entitled enough as a white liberal to say to a black audience, if you don't vote for me and you got to make a decision and you got to think about whether to vote for me or Trump, you're not black enough. Friends, that is the epitome of a racist statement. Oh, you like to make racist statements out of all types of other things. But this is how liberals have pictured and viewed black folks in this country since they got control of the black votes. You are who we say you are. And if you don't vote for me, if you have to think about a choice between me and Trump, you're not black enough. Biden, you just made my case very clear you just made it very clear why i made the movie runaway slave everything that you have expressed in that stupid statement that you made those were the points that i was making in runaway slaves about white liberals don't go anywhere We're going to unpack that. We're going to investigate that as we go through this show. It's you and me today. I was not going to come on radio today. I had so much to do to get prepared to head back down to Louisiana. The state is opening up. I'm going to get my wife's uh, memorial service together down there. And um, I, I, I uh, I, I just could not, not be on the show or come on the show today. I had to unpack this and I had to be here in this situation so that you can see for yourself what I've been talking about.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Concern to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL, back with you on this great day in the USA. It is a great day in the USA, no question about it. And it seems as though everywhere um, Biden tries to put his foot down, he puts it somewhere close to his mouth or up in his own behind. You see, before we unpack this thing with with Joe, with Uncle Joe, Sleepy Joe, as the president called him, I want to make a certain distinction, and and I want you to I want you to really think about this. I have I've thought about this because all of us, especially Joe Biden, needs to think what's coming out of his mouth. The president should do it too. Before he says something, before either one of them says something, they, they better think about what's actually coming out of their mouth, okay? So, here we go with this. Um, Joe, of course, did what he did because he feels as though he can say what he wants to say because he's a white liberal. And white liberals can say anything they want to say, right? Why, of course they can, because they have black friends who are liberals too, and they they have bought into the idea that they are who white liberals have told them they are. There's a difference here between black liberals and black conservatives. Black conservatives don't need anyone to validate who they are. Black liberals do. In fact, black liberals don't ever move. They don't ever act without looking around to see if the groupthink mentality has given them the nod. Are you hearing me? That's exactly what happens. I've seen it happen over and over. I'm a two-term president, NAACP, Garland, Texas, back in the 1980s. I've seen it happen. The reason I left them was because this was happening and they wanted us to endorse and sign on to anything that the liberal agenda called for. And if you stood up and showed or or portrayed or indicated that you had a mind of your own, then what would happen to you? Let me tell you. I'll tell you exactly what would happen to you. Joe Biden just showed you very clearly what happened to me, Star Parker, Herman Cain, Deneen Borelli, and any other black conservative who dared to speak out. Joe Biden just showed you 
what would happen. They would go on a rant saying that if you don't vote with us, you're not black enough. Now, what the hell does that mean? Excuse my what the hell. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that's really what I mean. I'm not pulling a punch at all. I want to know what that means. That I'm not black enough. That means I have not paid my dues. Are you kidding me? I have drank from the colored and the white water fountains when I was a kid growing up in the 1950s and 60s in Shreveport, Louisiana. I have drank from them both. And I got to tell you white folks something. The white water was the same (laughs) as the black water coming out of the black fountain. Uh, Newsflash. I have paid my dues. I've ridden on the back of the bus as a child, as a kid, as an eight-year-old. I remember as clearly as I, it was yesterday, giving my seat to a white woman. And uh, even though the bus was full, she was in the back of the bus with us. But if you had a seat in the back and white women or white men uh, needed a seat to sit down, you had to get up. That's the way that was. I have seen, I've, I've done that. Been there, done that. My parents marched with King. They, they helped bring him to Shreveport, Louisiana in 1959. I was just three years old when he came, but I paid my dues. What, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? When you're talking about if I if we have to make a choice between you and Donald Trump and then then we're not black enough. Who are you talking to? You're certainly not talking to people who have paid their black dues in this country. Al Sharpton has never paid his black dues. Al has always kept up black rabble. Remember Tawana Brawley. That's all I got to say. Oh, no, 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 no. Remember Ratso. Where Al ratted out people in the mob. Well, how come he's still walking around? I know what has happened to a lot of people who ratted out folks in the mob. Didn't happen to Sharpton. Now you tell me who's fooling who. Uh, Joe, who are you listening to? Yeah, if you're listening to Sharpton, you're listening to a person who is truly a black liberal elite. Nothing has touched him so far. Out of all the black people who could have had carte blanche to the Obama White House, guess who had carte blanche to the Obama White House? Al Sharpton. I have my invitations to um, the White House. Uh, could have, my wife was, Pat, was leaving us, uh, was going to um, transitioning to her ne- new life. When um, I was invited to the Black History uh, Dinner that was to be held at the White House, couldn't go. So if I had a tr- choice between eating lunch, uh, eating dinner with the president of the United States, Donald John Trump, or hanging out with Joe Biden, who would I choose? Trump, no doubt. But of course, I wouldn't be black enough if I did that, would I? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 
that's where this is going. But folks, black folks, hear me. That's the way. And I, I, do you hear me now? I know you didn't want to hear me when I, there were a few black folks, light came on. In fact, the Blexit movement, uh, walk away. All of those are my children. Those are my disciples. Black folks wasn't talking like that before I came along. Black folks, Thomas Sowell is my mentor. And everybody looked at him like he was Uncle Tom. Uh, Alan, uh, uh, we're talking about Herman Cain. I saw a comedy routine just the other day that was several years old that labeled Herman, and Herman's a friend of mine, labeled Herman, and what about that uncle, this is what they said. They said, and what about that Uncle Tom, Herman Cain? Now, now why is it that Herman has to be an Uncle Tom because he's a black conservative? Why is it I have to be one because I'm a black conservative? That's what Joe Biden was conveying to black folks and to America that if you have to choose between me and Trump, if you have to think about who you're going to choose between me and Trump, Biden was saying you're an Uncle Tom. You're not black enough. Now, what dues have you paid, Joe? Tell me what dues have you paid? And black folks, before you start following behind an idiot like that, because he that's an idiot. You better think about what has truly been said and what the true question is that you have to answer for yourself. And it was asked and it has been answered by Donald John Trump. What do you have to lose? Huh? What do you have to lose? Oh, we liberals wanted you to bristle up at that. They wanted you to get all mad about someone asking you a question. What do you have to lose? Matter of fact, you should be asking that question yourself right about now when you're looking at Joe Biden, say the stupid stuff that he has is saying. What do you have to lose if you try something different? I'm telling you, you don't have anything. Lou. Not one thing. Not one thing. So, you have an opportunity that you've never had before. The gates to the plantation are wide open. Run! That's my advice to you. The gates of the plantation. The river is low. And it's getting lower because summer is approaching. Run away, slave. Because that's what you have been to them for the last 55 years. You have basically, your vote has basically been 
their slave for the last 55 years. So, what are you planning on doing about it? Think about what has been said. Think about what your reaction should be. Think about what it ought to be. And then act. Send a message. What do you have to lose? At least try something different. Oh, we've tried all this. What, 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 ask yourself, American voter, particularly if you're black, what have you gotten? Oh, you, you want to point to affirmative action, but that was actually a Republican. That was actually a Republican thing that, that brought that, that about. Yeah, Nixon was actually the, the person who brought about, uh, who helped bring about affirmative action. Civil rights, civil rights was also a Republican thing. Would not have happened without Republicans actually pushing it over the top. Black uh, Democrats in the South were racist. The civil rights would have never, the Civil Rights Act of 64 and 65, see the movie. Get Runaway Slave. The movie, Runaway Slave points out very clearly seven years ago is when we made that film the 64 65 civil rights act would not have happened without the help of a republican senator everick dirksen pushing it over the top back in 1964 65 it would never have happened if we depended on democrats and biden has the audacity the gall to come out now that we have benefited from all of the help that Republicans have given black folks and has the gall or the ignorance to say to uh, black people, a black audience. Hey, if you got to think about choosing between me and Trump, you ain't black enough, man. Are you kidding me? That brother said, it ain't about Trump. It's about what you going to do for our community. And that's the question that the black community is always asking and what that actually translates to, especially uh, back in the day for the black preacher is what you're going to do for me. Well, I got tired of him uh, owning me and my church and owning my voice by from saying to my congregation, you know, uh, so-and-so is our friend. I think I'm going to cash my vote for him. Oh, it'd be against the law for me to say y'all need to cast your votes for him. But uh, usually the, the, the pastor of the church, he's the chief. And how his vote goes is usually the way that church's vote goes. Usually the way that community vote goes. That's usually what happens. So, uh, friends, that's where we are right now. And that's what we're trying to do right now is to turn and keep that light on because there are people who want you in the dark. They want you to remain in the dark and they will treat you like a total idiot. If you disagree with what they have been feeding you, if you regurgitate, if you throw it up, if you, re- re- if you reject what they have been feeding you for all these years, 
Yeah. Then they will turn on you. And how are they going to do that? When you really haven't gotten anything from Democrats over the last 50 years except more promises and lies, you think they're the ones who gave you affordable housing? No. No. Care about education? No. They care about warehousing. That statement coming from Joe Biden was from someone who was frightened that he was losing inventory. That's all you are. That's all you ever have been to the black, uh, to the uh, Democrat Party. You have been inventory. And Joe was saying to his inventory, his warehoused, as he feels, property, the black vote. If you have to think about choosing between me and Trump, then you're not black enough. <laughs> Inventory. That's what you've been. I want to uh, give an absolute shout out to my uh, grandson, Nicholas, and his wife. Um, I uh, want to welcome my gra- another grandchild into this world. Um, her name is Mabel Jane. Oh, that is so cute. Mabel Jane. That is my latest. I just got the, um, the text, uh, from my daughter, from my, one of my daughters ever in, um, in, uh, um, Florida. Uh, Adriana, my great, my grand, um, daughter-in-law is uh yeah i started i started having kids young man yeah man and we started jane and i we had had our our kids young i was still young uh when these kids were born so they grown gone had kids of their own got grandkids now um you know husbands and kids and families of their own grandkids now and i just had the second um, grand, great grandchild, Nick and his wife, Adriana have just had, um, there gave me my, um, third, fourth, fifth. Let's see. Bunch of them. <laughs> I got four. I think I got four grandchildren, great grandchildren, great grandchildren. I have four great grandchildren. Yeah. I, uh, have, uh, Sinclair and Sanaya. And now I have Emily, Emmy, Emma and um, um, Mabel Jane. Yeah. I think it's Emma Jane. It was an Emma Jane and Mabel Jane. <laughs> I just love it. I I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up. You thought I was to die for 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always in the heaven hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. So glad that all of you could come along with us as we build the bridge to conversation right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. And, and, and uh, hey, listen, folks. I uh, Oh, wow, what's that? Got a double tracking. You're double tracking there. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, you know, I can't blame anybody. I got to tell you, want to um, reiterate that um, my uh, fourth... Let's see. Yeah, my Jane and I, our fourth great grandchild, our fourth great grandchild, has been born. Emma Jane, uh, not Emma Jane, uh, um, Mabel Jane. <laughs> I just love it. I love that name, and uh, it is so ancient, old, and and pretty as far as that is concerned. That's what that is all about. And uh, let me tell you, folks, something. That's what family's all about. That's what it should be about. That's what it has been about. For all these many millennium, it has been about uh, continuation. One of the reasons I am so pro-life is because that's what we were intended to do. We were intended to procreate. Isn't that right? Be fruitful. Multiply. That is what uh, we have going on right now. In my family, we're being fruitful and multiplying. Yeah, I hear people say all the time, I wouldn't bring no cheering into this world. Well, what world are they going to come into? You had better do your best to make this world better for them. And that's why we call out things like uh, we're calling out with Joe Biden and the way we've been calling it out is because that's what should be done to make your world, to secure your world for your children and your grandchildren. That's why it's stated in our Constitution. We uh, uh, put to, we're, we're putting together this Constitution, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union. Uh, a more perfect union was formed for us and our posterity, us and our children, we the people. So, thank God and God bless you, uh, Adriana, my granddaughter-in-law, and Nicholas, uh, my grandson. Uh, God bless you. And um, and God bless your children and, and our family, the Bryant family. And so um, 
I look at all of the kids, uh, all of them now, and we're going to be coming together real soon to memorialize my wife, Jane. We're going to be coming together real soon uh, for that. And we have not had a chance to be together um, since her passing into her new existence and new life being with the Lord. We haven't had a chance to get together to sort of uh, get past our own personal griefs. Not for her. We're happy that she is um, void of all of this mess that we're talking about now. She's finished with it. Although she did love the discussion, she did love the fight, and she loved um, being engaged with and for me, with me. She loved that. But now uh, she's enjoying it a whole lot better than we are. So I'm not sad for Jane whatsoever, but I haven't had a chance to be with my children and Jane's family and my family so that we can do what families do. And that's comfort one another, bring closure to one another in these times. So that's what we intend to do here, uh, hopefully on the 27th of June. The 27th of June is when uh, we look forward to uh, getting that done. And so stay tuned. Stay with us. Um, It's going to be one heck of a ride. I have to head down to Louisiana here uh, for the next few months. I'll be, you know, of course, on radio. But um, I got to head down to Louisiana uh, to get things uh, kicked off, get the ball rolling. It's beginning to open up. A lot of states and stuff are beginning to open up without the type of incidents that uh, many had said would happen. Now, I want you to hear this. I want you to understand this. And you better, you better understand this. Good for you. Bad for Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, and those who think you're stupid, who think um, you're not black enough if you are voting for Trump, if you're voting any other way, those who think you're not black enough. Hear this. Bad for you. Good for them. Good for you. Bad for them. The fact that we're able to open up again. The fact that we're able to open up and do business as Americans again makes you see and allows you to see into the minds of liberals. You would prefer, they would prefer for you to remain peacefully sheltered under their arms in their slavery as you have been for the last 55 years. Peaceful existence under their umbrella, at least the way you're thinking, for the last 55 years. But has that been what you have gotten? No. And when we come back after the top of the show, because this is us today, we're going to talk about this along with other topics. 
But is that what you are seeing in places where uh, liberals have dominated the political scene for the last 50 years? Is that what you're seeing in Detroit? Is that what you're seeing in Chicago, Los Angeles, Houston, New Orleans? Is that what you're seeing in New York City? People are fleeing in droves. These places where Milwaukee, Wisconsin, people are fleeing in droves. At least they'd like to go black. You know what the strangest thing is? Black people hear me. White folks, this this applies to you, too. You become very mobile, too, here lately. Uh, you, you become black. White people have always been mobile. But black folks, once we get somewhere, like in, in the pockets that we form in Detroit, the pockets that we form in Chicago, the pockets that we formed in Los Angeles, you know, Watts, um, Compton, you know, now Inglewood. And of course, Mexicans have taken over Compton and uh, a lot of them are taking over Inglewood. Well, taking over California, period. Illegals. I'm not talking about illegal Mexicans. The Mexicans have always been in California, always. But I'm talking about people who are actually illegal. There are places in Miami you can't go if you don't speak Spanish. You can't order a hamburger. Black folks have always tended to stay put. They stay in. They stayed in one place. When Jane and I lived out in California, it amazed us. It was amazing to us how we could ask my relatives. We 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 when we first moved out there, we stayed uh, for. About a month, I think it was, before we moved, about two, two or three weeks. Two or three, we stayed about two or three weeks before I got money from, um, the right kind of money from a job that I had gotten and could get us a place, right? That's what I did. I, wor- I even worked day labor to get money to get us our own place. And we finally did. We got this place down in Long Beach, we were just a little ways from the beach. Uh, we could walk to it in three minutes. We got to the beach in about three minutes. We could smell the ocean breeze coming through our apartment down there in Long Beach. We lived on a street called Eximino. Yeah, in Long Beach. It was really, really neat. Really loved, loved, loved um, living in Southern California. But it was different then. Big time different then. I was surprised to see how you could ask black people who say lived in South Park or Compton or, you know, Watts. Well, how do you get out to so-and-so magic mountain? Let's say now I'm not saying that they hadn't been to magic mountain. I'm simply saying that they didn't know how to get there. If they went, they went with somebody in groups on a bus uh, or something like their church group. They still don't know. They didn't know how the, where it was or how to get there. They couldn't give you directions. And me, if I live in California, I can tell you I get to Disneyland, both in Garden Grove, uh, down, you know, down in Anaheim. Or I can tell you how to get to Magic Mountain. I can tell you I get anywhere. When I live in Florida, I can tell you to go anywhere, <laughs> you know, because that's I'm going to know where I live. Denver, I'm, I'm just about no Denver. Only been here three months, but I know I can pretty much get away. Of course, of course, now you do have Siri, but heck, once you've been somewhere two or three times, you should know how to get there, right? Unless you're an idiot or something. 
kidding. I know people who couldn't find their way back to anywhere. They couldn't find their way back into this kitchen where I, where I am. And I, I'm, I'm uh, in Denver here. I'm in a, a small home. Uh, they couldn't find their way back to the kitchen here. They certainly couldn't find their way back to anywhere that they're not familiar with. And so here we are looking at Joe telling us how and why and how black folks got to be here is because Democrats have been taking them for granted for 55 years. And that statement that he made was filled with entitlement to say it because that's exactly what they have been saying silently forever. They've been saying that silently forever, friends. And they're still saying it. They're still saying it. And Joe is just the right age to give you that glimpse into the mindset of an old white liberal because you see when all of this game started 55 years ago Joe was a young man in a racist party I'm sure saying crazy stuff but Joe figured out how to squeeze the drippings out of these pork bills. And now you're seeing how that story is going to pan out when we return with more of the C.L. Bryant show right here over Red State Talk on this great day in the USA. I'll be right back after the top of the news hour. Don't go anywhere if you don't get both hours of the C.L. Bryant Show. Download free the C.L. Bryant Show app and listen to us wherever you go. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the C.L. Bryant Show. Throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, um, and the greatest nation, the most success, the greatest success story the world has ever known. Hey, folks, it is very, very disconcerting uh, sometimes to see how crazy things are getting. But in the midst of all of that, you are um, seeing how life continues to go on, doesn't it? It does. It really does. It's a, it's a circle. It's a cycle of life that um, we are blessed to experience and blessed to see. And as I was saying soon uh, here, I'm headed down to Louisiana here in the next couple of days to get in preparation for the memorial service of Jane, who has gone on to her new existence uh, now. Uh, and uh, the kids and I haven't had a chance to uh, get together and mourn her, our loss, our loss, her gain. Jane has done nothing but gained in, in all of this thing. She gained um, release, and freedom, uh, unyielding health. She gained all of that. Uh, we still have to face a lot of things. And so we're going to get together here in, in the next month to um, mourn our loss. And uh, I look forward to that. But in the meantime, um, I want to welcome into our family, Mabel Jane. Mabel Jane, she is the daughter of my grandson and granddaughter, uh, Adriana and Nicholas. We want to thank uh, God for you and your children. That's Emma's little sister, Mabel Jane. She is the granddaughter of uh, Jane and I, uh, our middle daughter ever, ever dawn. And, uh, yeah, we're old hippies. We named the first one Miranda Faye. This is like Mabel Jane. Miranda Faye was like Mabel Jane back in the day, okay? And so we were named, and Ever Dawn was like Mabel Jane back in the day, okay? Uh, because uh, that's that's what we, you know. And so, you know, and, and Nick, uh, Nick is probably one of my grandsons who uh, favors me probably probably strikingly more than, than a lot of the others. But um, uh, just the same, we um, have a new addition. To our family, the Bryant family, Mabel Jane, welcome to the world. And here's your grandfather speaking here. And this app will be available to you the rest of your life. And you'll always be able to hear uh, the voice of your grandfather. CL loves you. Know that. Well, friends, uh, I am certainly glad to have added another American life to our great nation, America. That's what we're supposed to do. Be fruitful. The first command that God gave mankind. First of all, hey, here, Adam, here's a wife. She, bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. Take care of her. Nur- nurture her. Provide for her. You guys are going to have some children. You're going to find out it's going to be fun. Once you hook up and get together and all this kind of stuff, it's going to be great. Raise the kids. Put some sense into their heads when, you, when, when they grow up uh, so they'll be good citizens. That that's, was our purpose, to be fruitful and multiply, creating people, duplicating the good deeds that we do in the children as time goes on. And I certainly hope that all of our uh, kids will be half as good as their mom was. Now, I'm going to say me. <laughs> I think that's pretty easy to <laughs> be half as good as me. But I hope they all will be at least half as good 
as their mother was. She was the best human being I have ever, ever known. And so here we go. Look at this. Uncle Joe has put his foot in his mouth again. But before we get back to Uncle Joe, being an old white liberal who can't help being an old white liberal because he's simply conveying what old white liberals have always thought about black folks. Black folks are who we say they are. And so it's time for all of you to get my film, my movie, Runaway Slave, because this is what I have been trying to tell you for the last seven years now. Seven years ago is when that film came out. And everything, point by point by point, this Blexit movement, the walkaway movement, all of that, those are my disciples. They came out of my movement, the runaway slave. That's me. And now Biden gets on television after going on urban radio. And by the way, I got the president. We're looking at the president coming in to do a show with us here live in June. I think we're looking at Michelle the second week in June. We want to check that. Um, But uh, the president will be on. Not Joe Biden. Uh, The president, Donald John Trump, will be on with me. I've had everybody else on the show. And this will be a crown. I told, as I told uh, his schedulers, as uh, you know, all of you know, I sit on the president's, uh, I'm a founding member of the advisory board uh, to the president, uh, Black Voices for Trump. And um, it um, is one of those things I was telling the schedulers that said, you know, I've had everyone on my show. Everybody's been on my show. Sean Hannity, everybody's been on my show. Uh, Dr. Janine Pirro, Judge Pirro. Everybody, you name them, Glenn Beck, everybody's been on the show. I uh, had Gordon Chang on, Chang on um, just a couple of days ago, a great Chinese economist. But he wants to give, and he certainly wants to make sure all of us understand that Chinese are not our friend. And, and, and we're talking about governments here, okay? We're not, we're not talking about the people, Okay. When, when I talk about, um, when I name a group of people, I'm not talking about a person, a person who happens to be that. I'm talking about a, a government, a, a, a way things operate. The Chinese government operates very harshly against its own people. So when I say the Chinese, I'm talking about the government. And I I wish you all would stop listening to these clowns who every time someone says something that uh, indicates a a person of a different ethnicity other than being Caucasian. I I wish you'd stop calling everybody who says anything that has anything to do with race. I, I wish we could get to a point where we would grow up enough not to say, that's racist and it hurts my feelings. You freaking idiot. I've drank out of the white and colored water fountains as I told you in the first hour of the show. I've written on the back of the bus. I've been called the N-word by people who know how to say it and make you feel it. Don't tell me about getting your feelings hurt. I've paid my dues. What have you done? What has Joe Biden done? Affirmative action, that was Republicans. Civil Rights Act of uh, uh, 64, 65, Republicans. Would have never happened. Black now, now Democrats took credit for it, as they are trying to take credit for stuff now. 
They have hijacked your story, Republicans. Conservatives, they have hijacked your story. Black folks, hear me. Your original political home in this country was the GOP, was the Republican Party. It was not. The, they were racist. It was Democrats who was lynching black folks in the South. But they have hijacked yours. And you, you sit there like idiots and let them get away with it. I have been trying to help you. Because I, one thing, if I don't do anything else, I read. That's one thing Elno LeBron made sure I could do. I could read when I was four years old. I was four years old. I could read as good as anybody. And my daddy, even though he didn't learn to read until he had a third grade education, didn't know how to read until he went off to uh, World War II. My mother had been teaching him how he wound up with the uh, name Lewis Carroll Bryant. Uh, my father's name is Lewis Carroll Bryant. How he wound up with that name is because my mother, El Nola, was teaching him how to read out of a primer, an elementary school primer. It was called Alice and Wonderland. And the author of that primer or the story was a fellow by the name of Lewis Carroll, who wrote the story, Alice in Wonderland, through the looking glass. My father remembered that she was teaching him. She remembered who the author was because back in the day, if you were reading a book and you had to tell somebody what you were reading, you'd say, I'm reading through the looking glass, Alice in Wonderland written by Lewis Carroll. That's the way people presented stuff to you when you were back in the day. And so my dad remembered that Lewis Carroll was the author and that's what he chose for his LC to stand for was Lewis Carroll. His, his brothers, J.C., W.C., you know, that don't, my four parents and, and friends, what you're looking at, what you're hearing, who you're hearing, the voice you're hearing throughout the, the fruited plains of America, across the, the, the globe, on the largest talk platform in the nation, Red State Talk, on the most listened to platform in the nation, Red State Talk, the voice you're hearing right now is the voice of the great-grandson of former slaves. And I am telling you that I just had my newest great, my great, my newest great-grandchild has just arrived. I have four of them. Well, maybe I have more. Sinclair, I have Sanaya, I have Emma, and I have now um, Mabel Jane. Yes, those are the ones I can think of. But 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 anyway, those are, those are Jane and I. Those are, those are our... Our, grand, our great-grandkids, right? But I'm the great-grandson of slaves. Do you, do you see how that works? You see how that propitiation, how, how that uh, uh, performing a more perfect union for both ourselves and our posterity, you see how that works? Even though I'm up from, even though my grandparents, my grandparents, they were up from slavery, but they weren't bitter. They just worked hard to make sure that I didn't have to go through what they went through. And I'm not bitter over what they went through because somebody had to pay the dues. 
just like I don't care if you're the whitest of white. I don't care how your parents, how your folks got here. If they came up on the Mayflower, believe me, they didn't know that they'd ever make it here. In fact, there was a couple of ships that were lost coming here. And folks didn't know that they'd ever make it here. And even though my folks got here, the, the very hard way, the black side of my family, because uh, down in Louisiana, if you can the Bryants or Jameses or anybody like that down there, white or black, I'm, you can most likely can to me. But the black side of my family got here the hard way. There's no question about that. <laughs> and if you came over here on any kind of ship, you got here the hard way. But if you were chained in the hull of that ship, that was the hardest way. And so the reason I don't want you as black folks to listen to that liberal crap any longer is because you are truly in every sense of the word. You are truly an American success story because you are the children of the strongest of the strong who survived that journey in the middle passage to this country. And not only did they survive the journey, they gave birth to people who would survive slavery in this country and still move on and still have children that they will love and care about that is why we were formed as a nation so that regardless of wherever your ancestors came from you could come here once we get past all of our stupid stuff once we grow up and stop being so childish and adolescence when when we first arrived on these shores all we knew was we were here and, and, and people were bringing old world habits with them. Slavery was one of them. They brought it with them to this new land. But you know what? Once this country became a country, once the declaration was signed, once the Constitution was drafted, it only took 80 years. Even though slaves had been on this, this continent for 400 years. For 200 years prior to all of that, for 200 years prior to all of that, we had been here. We came here with the white man. In fact, we weren't really slaves at first, but we became, in fact, free white men, free black men came here. They remained free, but then they brought in slaves to help do the work. Then not, they brought in slaves, help do the work around here, make this country what it was. It's a fact. Yeah. But once we grew up, once we became a nation, slavery could not exist any longer because of the very words that were written in that promissory note to America. We hold these truths. To be self-evident. All men are created equal, endowed by their creator. It's in the founding documents. We had to free the slaves. America had 
to free the slaves or it would forever be hypocritical. And I understand what many, this is what I was saying when I was president of the NAACP. I was saying that, hey, listen, you still haven't lived up to this, 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 this when it comes to black folks in this country. That's what I was saying. But this is what, this is where they wanted to take it. They want to say, okay, we'll get, we'll, we'll give you all that. We'll get rid of all this and we'll do all this. But we want you to do this one little thing for us. We want you to sign on to this planned parenthood thing as black folks, because we feel there's far too many of you. This is Margaret Sanger talking. There's far too many of you who were born illiterate. That would have wiped out L.C. Bryant for sure. I would have never been here. That wiped him out for sure. Uh, Emma Jane uh, 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 or Mabel Jane would have never been here because they would have killed L.C. because L.C. was illiterate. He's ignorant. He's from he's half half white, poor mother, poor white trash, you know, uh, trashy state that he come from. You would have bought it. You would have had you if you were going to have a child back when my daddy was born under those circumstances, you would have aborted him. According to Margaret Sanger's guidelines, you would have had to abort him because he was going to be raised in poverty. He would never be anything. He would never produce anything positive. That's a lie. I just told you. His great, great granddaughter has just been born. to a black man who works closely with the campaign of the president of the United States with a black man whose story could not be told anywhere else in this world except America a place where his father his grandfather and his great grandfather fought wars so that I could do what I do every day Do I regret them having arrived on these shores in the way they did? No, I do not. As Muhammad Ali said, I'm sure glad my ancestors got on that boat to America. However they got on it. (laughs) I'm sure glad they got on it. That was said after the rumble in the jungle in Zaire by Muhammad Ali. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. Back with more in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop.
Back with you, coast to coast, border to border, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. Uh, greatest success story the world has ever known. Hey, I'll sure be glad to get back in the saddle, uh, folks, back on the road again. I miss all of you. Uh, I know we've been doing our Zoom thing, and that's cool. That's good. That's all good. But uh, we got to. We must get back to meeting and greeting, shaking hands. Well, I don't know if we, you know. I'm sort of like, um, I'm half a germaphobe. Kind of, kind of, sort of. I'm kind of, sort of a germaphobe. I never was. I mean, the, the Lord has an incredible sense of humor. I got to tell you that. Uh, me, my heart of hearts, um, my kids, uh, my close, close friends. Um, maybe not even my kids know this. My wife knew it for certain. But the truth is, um, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty much uh, an introvert. Oh, I know, I know. You listen to me here on the radio, or uh, you see me out on the road at some of the venues that I'm in, and uh, and all of that. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, the truth is, I'm an in, I'm 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 very introverted, and so. I'm not very much uh, a person who runs up and likes to shake people's hands and hug them and all that kind of stuff. I'm just not that kind of person. Um, I am with, I'm that way with family, with family members and so forth. But I'm not that way with people who are outside of my immediate circle. I'm not that way. Yeah, but the Lord put me in a situation where I better be that way. I have to be that way. That's who I am as far as the persona is concerned. That's who I am. But in my heart of hearts, if you really want to get to know me, uh, you got to know that, first of all, I'm a pretty quiet guy. I really am a pretty quiet guy. People uh, who don't really know me get kind of ticked if I'm around and I'm not saying a whole bunch because people want me to talk. They want me to entertain them. But that's really I've all, my role as a kid was to watch <laughs> Was was to be seen and not heard. That was a role. That was a role of kids back in my day. So I uh, pretty much, uh, and I was an only child, so I played by myself and everything. I imagined all kind of stuff by myself. I had very few to play with until my cousins came and and uh, hung out for a while. But then they left, and I was back to being by myself. I'm not really sure I was the friendliest kid when uh, my cousins came around. They, st- they they all seem to really like me, and I don't think I tick too many of them off. Yeah. But it's amazing how God puts you in situations where we were talking about handshaking. I'll be glad when we get back when I get back out on the road, and I'm able to bump fist. Well, I guess we'll fist bump. That's what we'll do. I'm, I'm telling you now, we'll fist bump and elbow bump when we get back out on the road, and looks like a mask may become a part of the American wardrobe. I hate the idea. I hate the very thought of it. But masks appear to be uh, going, they, they seem to be on the short list to becoming a part of the American wardrobe. Mask. Yeah. So get used to it and beware of the phrase, the catchphrase that's going around right now, new normal. 
Americans, those are dreaded words. They may sound, they may sound like something that's exciting and good and uh, something refreshing and all that new normal. Are you kidding me? Not good. Not good at all. New normal means that on top of everything else that you have on your plate, you're going to have to get used to living a certain way. I say, let's defeat this virus. Let's get the vaccine. And this president has moved uh, quicker than you can possibly imagine. Nobody would have ever thought that we'd be knocking on the door for October to have a vaccine. Vaccines take two years. This president has cranked this out in three months. And that was, I want you to keep this in mind. Because you'll never hear this on CNN. You'll never hear this on uh, MSNBC or any of those others. When this virus hit, the tools that we needed to fight it that should have been in place left there by the previous administration, like ventilators, we had none. We should have had them in stockpile. That's the mandate of the commander in chief of our nations to make sure that we have stockpiles in case something bad happens. He started behind in this fight. First of all, because we didn't see it coming. Who could have seen this coming? Certainly the president, I couldn't, you didn't see it. I didn't see it. Nobody could have seen this coming. Nancy Pelosi was dancing down in Chinatown uh, and mocking the president, saying that he was a racist and xenophobic for even uh, suggesting that he closed down the borders to China. And then two weeks later, she's criticizing for not closing them down soon enough. I mean, come on, Nancy, what do you want? The president has been in a situation where uh, he can't win if he does. He can't win if he doesn't, but he keeps doing his job. And I want you to understand something. He doesn't get paid for it. Oh, yeah, presidents get paid. They get paid $400,000, Yeah. Oh, yeah. He gets paid. But, But Trump is the second president that I'm aware of. I think maybe Roosevelt didn't either. I'm not sure. But I know that Kennedy didn't. Kennedy didn't take a salary. John Kennedy did not take a salary. John F. Kennedy. And Trump does not take a salary from the American people. But I tell you one thing. If I was president, I don't care if I was as wealthy as Trump. Y'all have to pay me. I'm sorry, you would have to pay. Oh, no way am I going to put up with you with the mess? Are you kidding me? There is no way. I'm not putting up the mess that an American president puts up with uh, and not to get paid. Good. In fact, y'all might get me a raise. That's just not enough money. But that kind of mess. Barack uh, laughed all the way to the bank. His first few checks. <laughs> yeah, Barack laughed all the way to the bank. His first few checks. And then he realized why they were paying <laughs> the money that they were paying him. It got it got tight up in there real quick. Uh, Trump 
after he didn't get his first two checks, if I was him, I'd be saying, hey, wait a minute. No, no, no. We got to rethink this. Y'all go pay me. Oh, yeah, you go pay me. (laughs) But he doesn't take a dime. But he still takes the beating. He doesn't get a dime, but he still takes the beating. Somebody says he takes it because he knows he's going to be in good shape once he leaves the White House. Well, like all presidents, if they survive the White House, are in good shape. They have uh, constant uh, security the rest of their life. That's something uh, those of us who sometimes need security don't have. You have to hire your own security once you leave a certain position or, or, or office or something. If you go out and, and to the public, you need security, and you have to pay for it. Yourself, the president, president, former president, Barama, Barack Obama will have you. You will be paying for his and Michelle's security the rest of their life. As long as they live. Any any uh, the same with Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter still has uh, Secret Service details. So does George W. Bush and certainly Bill Clinton. Big Bill, who I still say was truly the first black well no you know what I'm gonna change all of that oh my goodness here he go here he go (laughs) y'all had better listen to me everything I have told you over the last 10 years has come about everything I know you wanted to stone me 10 years ago when I started telling you this. And if I had been wrong for these last 10 years, if the things I have been telling you had been wrong for these last years, you should have stoned. Every prophet that comes along, Scripture gives this type of instruction. If that prophet gives a prophecy that turns out not to be so, Stone him. What I have told you, America, Americans, over the last 10 years, every word of it has come about. Glory to God. Are you hearing me? Everything that the Democrats have said to you over the last 10 years, especially the last, uh, yeah, the last 10 years that would take in the election of Barack Obama. Hope and change. How'd that work out for you, black folks, during that eight years? You were unemployed. You didn't have the jobs you have now. And before this coronavirus mess hit, black folks were working right and left. Everybody, everybody had a broom. <laughs> no, there was some jobs. That, there were some jobs that, were, that was doing a whole lot more than just broom work. Oh, yeah. There were some jobs that was doing a whole lot more than just broom work. They were getting paid. They were getting paid. 
They're not getting paid now because they can't go to work. We got to go to work. Get paid. Yeah. Now, we're going to reopen the churches because in the present, it is right when he's thinking. And he's thinking, hey, if you can go to Walmart where you touching stuff that you, uh, uh, with people you don't know, you going in Walmart, you go to the supermarket, you touching stuff, you picking up stuff, taking it to your house that has been touched by people you don't know at the Walmart and the grocery store and wherever else you go. And you are saying to me that I can't go to touch to church and touch a pew where people I do know go. Where you can actually uh, secure the place uh, uh cleansing it as far as purifying it and, and making it clean acceptable you can make the church and places like that uh more sanitary much easier you can make your workplace your job sanitary much easier than you can a walmart or a grocery store because you know everybody there which makes me believe that all of this was unnecessary to begin with. Walmart never closed. And we didn't, I don't know nobody at Walmart. I am not even in my hometown. I am in a foreign place to me. I'm in a foreign land to me when all this hit. I don't know nobody at Walmart. I ain't even running the church members at Walmart. But yet I was going there, touching stuff that they had touched and bringing it home. But the church was closed down. Does that make any sense? to The job was closed down. Does that make any sense to anyone? No, it doesn't. Now, I can understand why the airports are closed. Because when you're flying in a plane, you're in a cylinder in the sky with people you don't know in there with you. And one of the things, even before all of this happened, one of the things that I just hated and I flew all the time and about to get back to doing it. But one of the things that I absolute hated was to be near or around someone on the airplane that was just coughing and hacking and carrying on. Oh, nobody had to tell me to get out a mask or put some. I always had handkerchiefs. I always put a handkerchief over my face that had uh, hand sanitizer or sanitizer on it. The sickest I have ever been was when I got off of an airplane after being with someone that was coming from, they were coming from Sydney, Australia, and we were flying, we um, were catching the same, I think it was a United flight back to Shreveport out of Houston. And this woman was sick. And she was right next to me. I did everything I could not to talk to her, not to look her way, anything. But I was next to the window. I prefer the aisle, and that's one of the reasons why. But I was next to the window. I was trapped. I couldn't get away from her. 
she was in the middle seat. No, she was in the, the outside seat. There was no middle seat coming back. And she had to, from Houston to Shreveport's about 35, 45 minutes. She hacked the whole way. 48 hours, 72 hours later. I told no about yeah about forty eight hours later. I told my wife, "Gee, was stay away from me." I I think um, thank God my wife didn't get it. Now, this has been several years ago, before Jane had gotten bad with the uh, with the progression of the cancer. But she didn't she didn't get cold. But I get get the cold, get the flu or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. It was bad. I thought it was going to take me out. I was bad. But I don't get sick very often. See, I mean, I might get one cold a year. You know, and you know, that feels the first two days feels like going to take me out. Third day is gone. Third, fourth day is gone. That's the way the Lord has blessed me with my immune system. I thank him for that. But this thing, and, and usually when I get sick, it feels very, very bad because I'm never sick. Okay? That was the sickest I've ever gotten. <laughs> and who knows what that was she had Coming from Australia, I don't know. She and I maybe not. She didn't even ask her where she was from or anything like that, you know. But she sat down. It wasn't evident that she was that sick until we got up in the air, and I said, "Oh my goodness!" Sure enough, person to person is how this corona is passed off the surfaces. We're really not sure. But I do want to shed light on something that's going to be coming about here real soon. Yeah. And it's this. As um, the president had said a couple of days ago, that he was taking hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. He was taking it. And, of course, um, immediately the news media began to pile on, as they normally do. And they began to hit him about the head and face for saying he took it. I'm going to show you what's going to be coming at you real soon. You better hear me. I've been right. I've I've refrained from saying I told you so, but I've been right. For the last 10 years, I've told you this. You've ridiculed me. You've laughed and all this. I've been right. I'll be back. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. 
Great day in the USA. Home stretch of the C.L. Bryant show. Pardon me uh, there. Uh, you're going to be seeing C.L. quotes everywhere uh, here real soon on this particular matter because it's one of those matters that definitely needs to hear from me on. Isn't that right? You that gum right. Who better to say what I'm going to say than me? about this and who has a better vision of this than I do because I've seen this historically. Listen, uh, when, when all of this kicked off, when Joe Biden kicked all of this off, it, when, he, when he first got to uh, Washington, D.C., 45, 50 years ago, black folks were just beginning to come into the tent this is why, uh, uh, finally, when uh, Joe Biden finally sees a black man like uh, Barack Obama, he makes a stupid statement of saying he's intelligent, he's clean, he's neat, as though his dealings with black people has had not produced that type of uh, black person in his mind. Whatsoever. He had never thought of black people as neat and intelligent and clean. Barack surprised him. Biden didn't know that most black people are intelligent, clean, neat. Keep a intelligent, clean and neat home. What Biden doesn't know is that in this country, nearly 80% of black people do very well in this country. The people that you see on television, the faces that you see on television of blacks in the ghetto in poverty, that is 5% of the 14% that you are seeing in America. We're we're only 14% of the whole population. Black folks are only making up 14%. I mean, actually 12, 12 to 13, because our population is dwindling. Oh, yeah, no, 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 babies are not being born like uh, Miami, uh, like Miami and, and uh, Sanaya and Sinclair and, and, and Mabel Jane. No, babies are not being born like them. They're not being born. They're being aborted in the black community particularly. Because why? Because we have bought into what Joe Biden and the Democrats have said over the past years. We have been their inventory. Something that they needed to keep track of and keep control of. And what Joe was doing today on that radio show was trying to keep control of his inventory. Black people. Except he said something that normally should not be said by any white liberal. He let out the bag what white liberals truly think of black people. 
He let out of the bag that all we are to black to white liberals is inventory. And he had better stop listening to Al Sharpton and all of them at those private dinners and lunches and stuff. I've been to the, I've been to some of those dinners where, yeah, you know, uh, somebody, somebody reported what Lyndon Johnson said about the black vote. If we can turn that vote to the Democrat Party by signing the Civil Rights Act, I'll have them in words uh, voting Democratic for the next 200 years. <laughs> That's when it got real in this country. Huh? That's when it got real. That's when the gamesmanship actually began that's when the 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 scramble for the black vote actually began and what got dr king killed was the wrath of the democrats who decided that this civil rights thing and all of that was just too much just a bridge too far took three years after the 65 Civil Rights Act went into effect for uh, the effects of it to become felt. Dr. King was at the height of it and the poor whites, James Earl Ray being one of them, the man who is said to have killed King, I've never truly believed that. I've accepted it. But I've never truly believed James Earl Ray actually killed Martin Luther King on that balcony balcony at the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee in 1968, April the 4th or April the 28th. No, it's April the 4th. Anyway, <laughs> in April of the 68, Cameron was the 4th or 28th. Now, for some reason, that skips my mind. Why do I doubt that? I'll tell you why. You see, James Earl Ray supposedly was perched in a bathtub at a rooming house across from where Dr. King was staying at the Lorraine Hotel. Evidently, his rooming house, the room that he got at the rooming house, evidently had been uh, the perfect place for anyone wanting to take a shot at that position, that particular position, to be. But this has always been my question about that. How did James Earl Ray know to get that room? How did he know that that bathroom would be the perfect place to be? How did he know that Dr. King would be on that balcony at that time in that position? How did he know that he would be uh, distracted, leaning over, talking to people on the ground so he would remain stationary, talking to whoever it was on the ground. Who was it on the ground that he was 
talking to that made him remain stationary? Oh, I'll tell you who it was. It was Jesse Jackson. How did James Earl Ray know to be in that place at that time when King would be at that spot on the balcony stationary speaking to someone on the ground? How? Nobody's ever, do you know why nobody's ever brought that up? It's because if you start questioning that, then you have to realize if any of the scenario that I'm attempting to paint happens to be true, that King was maneuvered into that position. If any of that plays out to be true, then it says to all of us that King's, that James Earl Ray's, the assassinate, the assassin of Dr. Martin Luther King, it says to us that James Earl Ray was working in conjunction with someone. I'm not, I don't know who it was, but he had to be working in conjunction with someone in King's camp in order to get him in the position that he was in to be shot. Have you ever looked at the perch? Have you ever gotten a a look at the perch where James Earl Ray was supposedly firing that shot from? If he fired the shot, if it was James Earl Ray who fired that shot, then King would have had to be exactly where he was because Ray could not have gotten that shot off. Clearly, if King had been in any other position. Of course, you know, white folks were up in arms. They were up in arms. White, White folks were up in arms about King and then Once he was killed, black folks were up in arms, not realizing that this was all a play. To cause unrest, King was on his way to building a bridge to unity. Understanding. He was able to articulate in ways that brought unity and clarity to the conversation. But once he was gone, you had Ralph Abernathy who couldn't talk his way out of a paper bag. Yeah, but you know who did rise. And Abernathy and, and, and Jesse were always at odds. Abernathy and and Young, Andrew Young, were always at odds. Although Abernathy went on to lead the civil rights movement, SNCC and all that type uh, that type of thing, Southern, well, the SCLC, 
And Jesse, of course, went on to be Rainbow Push Coalition, run for president and all that kind of stuff. Andrew Young goes on to be mayor of Atlanta. Everybody who was around King benefited from King's death. Big time. Big time. But Jesse Jackson, most of all. I mentioned the name Andrew Young. Few people will know who it is. Maynard Jackson, few people will know who he is. Except folks in this general area. I, I, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned uh, any, uh, Ralph Abernathy, nobody know who he is. I mentioned Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. You know who they are. You know exactly who Jesse Jackson is because he was direct benefactor. He picked up the mantle. In fact, the very next day on the Today Show, he went in with blood, with King's blood. He went up there and put some of King's blood on a, on, on a dungaree jean jacket. Went into the Today Show with Hugh Downs. Never will forget it. I saw it myself. Talking about how King died in his arms. That was a lie. That's what we've been putting up with. We've been misled by people we had trusted. And I've been ringing that bell. I've been telling you that for 10 years. You better listen. I'm CL. And hey, listen, I, I wanna, want you to come along with me every day, 12 until 2 in the East, every day. Download free the CL Brian Show app. Listen to all the shows. Every one of them are cataloged there. Listen, I've got to put some things together. And I want to thank God for bringing us to the close of yet another day. I want to thank him for our men and women in uniform around the globe who defend our right to speak our minds. And until I'm able to talk to you again, I am CL, and may God bless and keep you all. Mm-hmm.